Hello and welcome to Radius Coffee Talk. I'm your host, Liam O'Brien, community organizer here at Radius Cowork. Coffee Talk is a short-form podcast where I interview Radius members and share their stories, insights, and experiences. We hope that this podcast can help you learn a little bit more about one of our many members and help foster more connections in our community. For anyone tuning in for the first time, Radius Cowork is a co-working space located on the ninth floor of the Renaissance Building in downtown Erie, PA. We're passionate about Erie's downtown revitalization and contribute by providing freelancers, remote workers, and small businesses with better services, facilities, and community to get work done. Learn more about us at radiusco.work. With me today is Drew Whiting. Drew is a venture capital attorney by trade and an entrepreneur at heart. A Buffalo native, Drew relocated to Erie from Chicago with his wife, Emily, twins, Annie and Augie, and Wheaton Terrier, Lady, who has become a fixture in the Radius community. Drew purchased and will be renovating the building at 10th and State Street directly across from the Renaissance building. With that building, Drew and a partner will be opening a swing project, a bar slash restaurant with golf simulators in the fall. Drew will also serve as the chairman of Erie's Ice Angel Fund, focusing on investing in growth stage businesses in and around the region with the goal of bringing new opportunities to our economy. Most recently, Drew was appointed CEO of the Erie Downtown Development Corporation. Drew, good to have you on Radius Coffee Talk, man. Thanks, Liam. So I thought we would start just by talking a little bit about your background and maybe like some of your early days in college or your first business and just hear about how you got started. Yeah. Um... That's something I think about every once in a while um, when I'm trying to understand kind of mission purpose behind what I'm doing now. I grew up in a in a pretty small town. Uh, my entire family, both sides, is from Akron, New York, which is a you know, suburb on the way to Batavia on 90 past Buffalo. And, um, you know, you, you get a really good sense of community in a small town like that. And I you know grew up going to you know, breakfast with my grandfather at the local diner on main street in the, in the village and witnessed a person that was an integral part of a community that didn't have to, but stepped up to do the right thing and, and was a person that felt an obligation to give back. And I could see at an early age how fulfilling that kind of thing was and how much it meant to the people around him and the people in his life and his world with or without knowing that, and having it at the front of my mind all the time, I think it was always a background thing that's been driving every decision I've made. Most of the difficult decisions that I've had to make, you know, there's pros and cons to the different directions you can go, but I've always kind of fallen back to people and making the decisions that are will accrue to the benefit of the people that, that mean a lot to me and that are dependent on me for things. And, and so... Choosing a career early on was was a matter of finding a, a profession and a, and, a, and a job that would allow me to be in a position to help others. And so I you know, went to law school thinking with a law degree, there's a lot of different ways to help people. I don't know what I really want to do, but I took internships and I got my feet wet in that world and figured out what I didn't like, criminal law, family law. Um, what I really did like was working with entrepreneurs and ended up, um, really gearing my entire life towards empowering small business and trying to help them solve problems and and get to the next level. So even in the job that I have today, there's a, a big component of that role is doing the same thing. So yeah, background wise, I ended up at the university of Notre Dame through high school, you know, I 
straight A student, worked really hard, played sports all year, was involved in a lot of different activities. Probably was the busiest time of my life, honestly, was the four years I was in high school <laughs> and um, ended up doing well enough to get into Notre Dame, ended up going there for my undergrad Got out of a small town um, and was immediately exposed to a lot of people that came from entrepreneurship backgrounds, parts of the, of the country that were completely different, had seen different things, grown up with different levels of wealth and experience and people around them. And it was a, it was a really good experience and, and way to come into a different worldview than the one that you had in a, you know, a really small town in upstate New York. So I ended up in Notre Dame, Loyola for law school. Um, at Loyola, had a couple of mentors early on. This was during the recession. How am I going to get a job during the recession? It's 2008. Point. This is 2000. Yeah, I graduated uh, from college in 08. Straight to law school as my you know finance internship that led to a potential job that then was gone because the entire economy collapsed. <laughs> um, I end up taking the LSAT and going to law school. And... Uh, mentor basically said, look, if you want to get a job, and I chose a law school that you know, I got a really good economic deal, um, mm -hmm. scholarship to, um, it maybe wasn't the best law school I got into, but it was the best situation. And it, uh, also was a kind of drove me to having to become somebody that I am today, which is something like that has built a network and really has learned how to utilize that network and bring a lot of value to it as well. And the reason for that was at uh, the law school that's kind of second or third tier in Chicago at Loyola, trying to get a job out of school, even internships, is you're not even getting a look unless you know somebody. Hmm. And so a mentor to told me pretty early, look, you've got breakfast, lunch, dinner, happy hour, time at night, every day of the week. And yeah, you gotta get your work done, but those are all times where you can be meeting with people learning who they are, what they need, how you might be able to help them. And along the way, you will build a network. You'll find a way to add value. And those, those are the people ultimately where you're going to find your job and your calling and the next, the next phase. So I started doing that. He recommended to read a book called Never Eat Alone. That's basically the philosophy there. Um, and I think what, what kind of came naturally, but you learn how to put it into practice a little bit better and create a creative process around it was every person that you meet you're you have an ask but you also are looking for their ask and trying to make sure that even if you're a student what do i have to offer this person well by the time you meet 20 people you're going to find one or two people that that person probably doesn't know that they would benefit from knowing and making introductions and helping others build their network is one of the ways to do that so i started doing that very early and it paid dividends and allowed me to get a couple of my foot in the door to get first couple of internships and jobs um, that's, that's, yeah. a, that's a great point actually, because I think some people might get caught up in that if, especially if they're early on in their life or their career where they're thinking, Oh, I'd like to go build a, a world-class network, but what do I have to offer at this point? Maybe they're just yeah. in college or maybe they're just really early in their career. But like you said, just being a knowledgeable person as far as who is around here and being able to connect other people with people that you know is a huge value add. So I, I definitely see how that could be a, a Everybody great has something to offer. And if you listen to people and truly listen, you'll, you can, you will find the value in every person that you meet and you'll be able to see the good and understand 
what motivates them and how you may be able to bring some value to them. So let me ask you, is there any way that you, if you're meeting someone for the first time, maybe there is a motivation behind it, or maybe it's just a casual meetup. Is there anything that you ask or any, any kind of way that you lead the conversation to start really getting to know them quickly? I try to do some research ahead of time. That's pretty important to go into a meeting, not completely cold, but I'll, I'll do some digging, uh, LinkedIn, whatever news articles, their company's website and I'll go in with uh, generally that will that will generate some curiosity and then you can use that curiosity to have a few interesting questions right off the bat and I think it's especially as you get into a into your profession and you get into the point where you've got something to sell in a lot of these meetings there's a motive beyond just wanting to get to know somebody and build a network it's really important to keep that early instinct of let's just meet try to meet good people and find out how we can help them forget about what i do like my meetings in my career as an attorney i almost never talked about what i did for work at any of these meetings if they want to bring it up fine if it's a natural part of the conversation fine but it's about building relationships first and what i should come away from every meeting with is an understanding of who that person is what they need and how I see myself being able to fit into that. So when I leave, I should have a note or two written down somewhere. It says, make this introduction. Um, think about different resources that we can put in front of this person for what they want to do. And make sure you follow up. No follow up means the meeting is worthless. Might as well not have happened. Um, but, but if you do that and you constantly have this attitude of how can I add value to you and every other person that I come across... The, the dividends that are paid on that are so much more than walking into a sales meeting with a pamphlet and pitching your services. Absolutely. Nobody wants to hear that. Hmm. <laughs> like, people want to sit down and enjoy the breakfast that they're having or, you know, enjoy having a beer with somebody that's like fun to hang out with. They don't care. Like if, if they're meeting with me in my capacity as a lawyer, they already know what I do. Mm-hmm. To a large extent, most professions are commoditized and it's about the relationship you focus on the relationship and a lot, every relationship is a two way street, the good ones, at least, um, that'll be, that'll go a lot farther than pitching the, the widget that you're selling or the service that you're providing. So you spend these years in college, have never having a, a meal alone. You've finished law school and now you're in your first career, part of your career. So what were, what was that first job or first business like for you? Um, so I made a decision that I don't know that I would do in hindsight. And I started a law firm almost immediately. After <laughs> law and I did that with a good friend of mine from law school. And, you know, we really scraped and clawed to get those, to get through those first, let's call it five years, particularly the first three were really tough. I mean, as a lawyer to entrepreneurs, I was an entrepreneur myself going through the same fight. And the reality is when you start from scratch, you don't have any business. So I was just doing more of the same. It was now I just have some, I have a business and something to offer. And so I was hitting up a lot of networking events. I was going, I joined a BNI chapter and got to know other service providers. I started to just pay attention to the people who were selling 
services and things to the same types of clients that I wanted to attract and watching who was successful and what things they were doing right. So a lot of the early days were, yeah, pure hustle, but also a lot of observation and not only just watching and learning, but truly taking that back and saying, how can I apply this to what I'm doing in my approach? Um, I had to figure out how to be a lawyer, how to build a business and how to, how to activate a network to help build that, that business grow and become sustainable all at the same time on the fly with no model in front of me to teach me how to do it. And so you just have to have your eyes and ears open and really be paying attention. And I, I don't think that that, those lessons had I gone a different route, I probably wouldn't have been forced to do that. But it, looking back, what I see from that is I had like a crash, like a crash course MBA on the streets and whatever business anybody's going into, I think it's beneficial to kind of employ those same principles. Ultimately, if you are a rank and file accountant in a big accounting firm, or, you know, you're the newest hire at the architecture firm, or you are working in a coffee shop, doesn't matter. You have internal and external sales at all times. You are your own business and your own brand. And what do you want that brand to say about you, both to the customers that you're selling your product or service to and to the people that you work with? Because the people that you work with are the most important. If you have superiors, you're, you are, they are your client. You're providing a service to them as much as you are to the person that they're, they brought in the door and that you're, you're working on their actual subject matter. So what it really teaches you, what, what all that observation, all of those, all that network building and the implementation of the learnings from all of that really teaches you is sales. And it teaches you that sales is not what everybody thinks of as sales, which is like the guy in the street corner yelling, trying to sell something. It's building relationships, playing the long game, not being transactional, but being somebody that's thoughtful and, you know, really in it to build, build long-term long-standing, uh, meaningful relationships with people that will pay off in business. But that because that's what that's that's what really good salespeople do. Absolutely, and I think too, like like kind of like you're saying, things that will compound over time are much more valuable. So yeah. a transactional, quick gain relationship obviously is not going to pay as much dividend as a relationship that's forged over a long time and mm -hmm. with a lot of you know mutual benefit. But going back to your first business, in those first three to five years, was there a favorite failure or something that really just taught you a lot about being in business, about law, about entrepreneurship? Yeah. I mean, I think my favorite failure was the first business. Yeah. We, and I don't know that you call it a failure, but it was a good friend of mine and I just hustling shoulder to shoulder and doing everything we could to make this thing work. And we did, we got to a point about a year in where we were both hitting like a burnout stage. And I think every entrepreneur at a year in, you can see it in their eyes. And I've worked with a lot of entrepreneurs. It doesn't take much to be able to see that. Um, and it's a natural thing that people go through because you are putting everything you have into this thing. It's your baby. Um, while you're doing that, every entrepreneur is missing things, whether it's, an organiz organizational back office type of stuff or 
you're just not collecting bills or you just can't get sales going the way you want because you're there's something fundamentally wrong with what you're offering. Um, so at the at that stage in every startup, you have to look around and say, what's best for us right now? And at that time, we met a couple of other guys that had a very complimentary fit practice-wise from a law firm standpoint. They were a couple of years ahead in terms of building up their organization. They were very organized, had processes and procedures, and they actually had an employee in an office. We were working at a kitchen table in my apartment. Mm-hmm. Um, but we were really like strong sales guys. And so when we found a group of a couple of guys and a really good compliment to what we were doing, we said, all right, are we really going to try to build that ourselves? That's not our strength. Or do we join forces with somebody else that's doing this much better? Um, so was that a failure? I don't think we would have survived if it was just the two of us continuing to go on for five years. But we made a decision to extend the lifespan of that business by joining some other people that could pick up the slack where we were dropping it and us, we could do that by, in the same way for them. That was a lot of fun. I mean, everybody says when you're going through these like tough times, enjoy the journey. Like this is all part of the journey. And like when you're, when you're going through this, you'll always remember those days. And like when you finally have that success later, you'll really savor it because you've been through the tough times. And it is really true. And it's also absolutely impossible to, to, to really buy into that while you're going through it too, because you go to bed and you get a negative negative balance in your checking account and your credit cards are maxed out and you're not really sure how you're going to pay for that lunch meeting or that coffee meeting you have the next day with somebody. And you're just hoping that that client that you've got a bill out to will pay it on time so you can make payroll or you can whatever. That's really tough times. Um, yeah. And it weighs on people psychologically. But at the same time, when you you ask any anybody that comes out the other side of it, like, what was your favorite part about this? Like, oh, it was those early days when we were, like, <laughs> ramen and drinking crappy beer and, like, just, just being scrappy and hustling. Like, how much fun was that? Now it's, like, this professional beh- thing I got to manage and it's completely different. Um, so hindsight, hindsight kind of 2020 thing. Um I keep it's it's good to have that perspective and then you know, I'm building another business now and kind of going through those things again and I have the perspective of like I'm gonna look back on this and this is gonna be like my favorite part of the whole journey mm-hmm. and just trying to remind myself of that. But I think a lot of entrepreneurs will relate to that and also I'm thinking the idea that the the hard days, the early days are some of the best times might be because that's when we feel like we're making the most progress. Every stride. Yeah, you feel alive. Yeah. When you're building something and you're you're just generating a, like a thing out of thin air just by pure hustle and intellect and effort. There is nothing more rewarding than that. It is the coolest experience. For sure. But early on, it's tough, man. Like You just don't have – the comforts that you have later on. Yeah. So you went from building something out of thin air, metaphorically speaking, to now literally building things with the EDDC. So tell me about now your new role as the CEO and yeah. how that onboarding has been for you and what, what you're looking at for the yeah, future. Yeah. I'm walking into a situation where this company has been in the startup phase itself for five years now and has, I mean, not just a startup, but a startup that was coming into town to like really affect change. And if I've learned anything about Erie since moving here is that people are resistant to change. And John Persinger and Matt Wachter and the folks at Erie Insurance and UPMC and Gannon 
and then the other state, the bank stakeholders all stepped up and said, you know what, we're, I don't, it doesn't matter what other people are saying right now. We have a thesis. We believe that what we're, that this strategy is going to work and we're going to do it. And they walked through fire and they took a lot of crap from the press and every naysayer on social media, you name it, Mm -hmm. to get this organization to a place today that is more or less crowning like a, a very good example nationwide as to how encouragement of investment in what these opportunity zones, which is a larger discussion, but these federal opportunity zones can really transform a community. You could make the argument that without the opportunity zone, the same thing would have happened, but who knows? Like it happened at that time for a reason. And that business is now built up. We've got three three and a half blocks of core downtown space that's been revitalized. There's entrepreneurs who are opening up businesses in those spaces that otherwise would not have had that opportunity. And many of them are excelling. And it's really cool to see that. At the same time, this group had to like just push its way through to like just get this stuff off the ground. And it was a startup. Like every other startup, like it's not perfect. So I step in. And as I was evaluating the opportunity, I asked a lot of questions. And really what I was hearing is like, we've gotten to this like inflection point where this is a startup that is is about to enter that next stage, become a more professional organization, take the next step and uh, finish, finish the job that's been started, but then start phase two, which is continue building on what you've got and really get the community development momentum to a sustainable point. Um, a big goal of the organization to begin with was if you build, if you build critical mass, other investors will see that and want to ride your coattails. And people are doing that coming in from out of town and putting money into buildings all up and down state street. I was one of them and still am. So it's a, it's a great example of just that vision and tenacity to get to a point where you've got something that other people believe in enough to put their own capital on the table that's how cities recover. It's not building in scattered spots in the suburbs. What they're doing right now in downtown is a really cool thing and it's, and it's working. But there is a lot that needs to be done to get to the point where this does become sustainable, where we can get the next piece built, where we build out a team that's, that's, a, that's able to um, you know, function in a sustainable way. And so that's a lot of what I'm doing now. Um, it helps to have worked with a lot of startups that are going through the same phase, been part of one myself. I'm trying to bring that experience and knowledge to the table to get us there. It's a huge project. Um, there's a lot to take in. There's a lot of moving parts and I'm learning and listening and trying to do the best that I can to understand where we are and how we're going to get to where we want to go so that we can actually start taking out those actions and, and take, and, putting steps in place where we have a, we have a plan. Um, so all of that's coming together. Yeah. It feels, it feels good to be building. Absolutely. And as a downtowner, someone that lives and works downtown, I'm definitely a huge fan of everything that's going in down there. I've go to the food hall on a daily or weekly basis. And, and Liam, 10 years ago, you're not living downtown right now. It's just, a, you're a great example. There's a lot of people, working in Radius and other businesses around the community that have places to live down here, number one, that are, like, decent. You have a lot of stuff to walk to and things to do. 
and it's and it feels safer and there's more going on uh, than there probably has been in 50 years and that's only going to pick up in the next couple so that's a really cool thing to see you down here and others other young people saying look i'm from erie i went to school here and this is cool i'm gonna stay i'm gonna you know build build my business here build my network here yeah we're excited to see how how it progresses for sure and i'm really excited for the golf bar that's gonna be put in here so tell tell me a little bit about that real quick yeah so um 2016 family friend of my wife's family uh, and I were we were all together, and he's talking to me. He's like, "Hey, I've got this idea in Pittsburgh. I want to build this like indoor golf simulator business." He's like, "I know you're a startup guy. Like, is there? Can you take a look at a business plan and tell me what you think?" So I look at it. We talk about it. And every once in a while, I check in with him. And then life circumstances took over. He ended up not moving forward with it. I get to Erie, and I'm looking for a place to play golf in the winter. Go hit golf balls. And in Chicago, there were these golf simulator places called Five Iron Golf. All like there's a couple of them in the city, and I'd go there all the time. And this is like golf simulators with bar, like serving like decent bar food that you could buy a beer at after work. And uh, didn't have anything like that here, so specifically downtown. So I found a place that down here that had golf instruction going on inside, really cool building, like a great fit for that kind of an activity, but didn't have liquor license, no kitchen. No simulators, just you were hitting golf balls off of a green mat into a net. And there were a couple of really good instructors in there, but it's not what I was used to. It's not the, didn't have the entertainment aspect that I come be, had become accustomed to. And so I reached back out to this friend from Pittsburgh who now lived in Erie with his wife. I was like, hey, man, I think I found a spot where that business plan you sent me like seven years ago where maybe if you were up for it, we could think about building this. And he got really excited. We went and checked out the space. And, you know, a couple months later, we owned the building. And now we're in the process of building out a franchise of Five Iron. It's under the Swing Project name. It'll be Five Iron Golf right at the corner, southwest corner of 10th and State. Um, this is a building with 60-ish years of deferred maintenance on, like, the primary mechanicals. So we're doing upgrades to the HVAC, electric, plumbing, um, and, and really – bringing a bright spot to a corner that should be a, a focal point across the street from the Renaissance Center, across from the Avalon, two other projects that I think we'll see take lift off here in the next couple of years, but to brighten up a corner that really has been a dark spot, or if not dark, just sitting kind of without much activity that's at least visible from the outside. Okay. And we need to, we're, we're going to brighten up that corner um, Mabel Howard and Thelma Blanks, who run 710 Cafe, which is kind of a afternoon, evening dessert shop right now. Bakery is going to be a 12-hour day cafe or more. Um, and they're going to be serving coffee, serving desserts. They're going to have like a little bookstore in there. And it'll be a bigger locate bigger location. It'll be a place where everybody can kind of go grab their coffee at breakfast in the morning, go hang out for me, take coffee meetings, um, you know, grab dessert on the way home, whatever they want to do. And so there will be multiple reasons to visit that spot on that corner, make it part of your day. So we're really we're really excited to get that open. Chase Rogan is my partner there. He's working really hard to get with with five iron, with our contractors, with the architects to get to keep things moving on schedule. I think should be open December, January if everything keeps going to plan. 
Awesome, man. Well, I know we're all looking forward to that and to all the other good work that you're working on now with the EDDC. So as we wrap up here, where can people learn more about you? Where can people learn more about your projects, EDDC? Yeah. So I, look, I have an open door policy with with anybody that wants to get together and, and talk about what they're trying to do, what they're trying to, what they want to build downtown, what they'd like to see in our community and in a, a unique position to help make some of those things happen. So to the extent that I can be a good steward of ideas and be able to bring things to action, I'd love to do that. I know you can find my bio and my contact info on the Radius website. And, you know, on the EDDC website may have some bios up. I have a LinkedIn profile. It's pretty easy to find. But anyway, yeah, it's open door for anybody to come visit the EDDC office. Come find me at Radius. I'm kind of bouncing around downtown most days and if you hang out at Ember and Forge long enough during the week, you'll see me come in to grab an iced coffee and uh, or the food hall. I'm usually over there most days. So I love being down here. I'm, and if, if you're downtown for any length of time, you'll probably run into me. That's that's probably the best way to put it. Perfect. I'll, incl- I'll include some of those links in the show notes as well. But thanks for hopping on the show and giving everybody a little peek into your history and, and a little peek into what's going on downtown. Yep. Sure thing. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Radius Coffee Talk. To learn more about the space, facilities, and community, or to schedule a tour to see it for yourself, please visit radiusco.org.